and welcome back to Play, Train, Grow, a podcast that asks what is life really like chasing the dream of becoming a professional footballer. My guest this week is an old uni buddy. Um, he's been slightly more successful than I am, I have to admit. Um, I'd like to welcome Mark McGuigan, the handsome man himself, on the podcast. How are you, buddy? I'm very good, Johnny boy. Thank you for the very kind introduction. I've just got to be honest, haven't I? <laughs> but is this a podcast? Is it a, a visual? Is it just audio? It's just audio. So oh, well, you could see anything then. That's fine. <laughs> I can put it online on YouTube if you want, my friend. No, nah, please no. <laughs> so you have you've made it. You've been a footballer, but you did it slightly differently. So do you want to give us a little kind of brief um, snapshot of, of how you made it into professional football? Yeah, mate, of course. Um, like you say, a wee bit, a wee bit different. Um, my kind of youth career was spent five years at Celtic between 10 and 15 just before turn 16 um, wasn't off the contract for reasons we'll probably I'm sure go into um, throughout the, the podcast and then I kind of deviated if you like from that kind of football path just played in fact I didn't kick a ball for about 18 months after that and then get back into just playing sort of 19s local level um, and then decided to go to uni which is obviously how we how we met um, and then just fell back into it, played junior football when I was kind of early 20s, um, was successful in getting into the Scotland University team, which then led to a couple of friendlies against Falkirk and Partick Thistle, caught the eye against Partick Thistle, was invited in for, for training, and then from there, uh, I was 23 at that point, got a two-year deal at Partick Thistle, um, and that was kind of the start, that was me kind of coming so I full circle, if you like, back into the, the senior game at professional level. Um, so was it Partick Thistle for a, for a couple of years, just shy of my, my two-year deal, um, and then decided at that age, at that point I was 25, and, you know, I was probably too old to, to maybe just keep persisting with the full-time game, and I decided that kind of working and then playing part-time professional was probably going to be the best route for me, and I was fortunate enough to have some some good success. Yeah, for example, when I was at Party Thistle, we won the league, moved on to Albion Rovers, won the league my second season there, um, went to Stranraer, uh, and then went to Stenish Muir, which is where I, where I finished up and you know got a promotion and stuff there as well. So had quite a, a strange route. I know the, the guys you've spoken to already are kind of young and coming through that. I kind of missed out a big chunk of that journey, I suppose, from the age I'm maybe 16 to, to 20, 21, where I was away from. The the kind of professional setup or the performance setup, if you like, and then I've come round, you know, on other side of it, but obviously enjoyed it, and you know, it's a different kind of story to tell, but one that's been kind of thoroughly enjoyable. It is. It's a, a totally unique one that that not many have, have really taken. Um, let's let's go back to the start and and Celtic youth days. What what was that like? Was it? what it looks like today when you're in three, four times a week and matches, you take us through it. I was, it was fairly intense. Um, so from the age, like I say, I was kind of picked up and scouted at the age of nine, I think signed when I was 10. And then for the next five years, it was your, your three, t- three training sessions a week. The occasional, you know, in school holidays, like Easter break, you maybe be in, you know, an extra couple of days, it give you a wee taste of maybe what full time, you know, life was like in that week. Um, and then it was your game at the weekend and it was obviously against it was all fairly new back then I think I was maybe that kind of first generation of pro youth I feel like that term was quite new when I when I started and got involved 
and it was it was intense and it was but again it's one of we were speaking just before we started recording it's one of these things you do and you maybe don't even realize how big a commitment it's probably a big a commitment for your parents so like so my dad would take me to to all my training sessions and all my games and he didn't mind obviously but then you don't probably don't realize how big a commitment it actually is and but it was a, it was a brilliant experience I think we we spoke you know a couple of months ago and I think I'd said there was there's things I learned at Celtic back when I was 10, 11, 12 that I still remember and I still use today, just like we basic things like um, whenever you're going to cut, aim for the second six yard box, if you get a touchline, you want to cut one back. And my coach, Martin Miller, always used to use like acronyms. So it was like the Fernland's uh, nickname was the Pals. So it was like when you're receiving the ball, point, P is point, AR is an angled run, and S is shout. So just wee things like that. and it seems maybe a bit daft now but you just kind of remember that and you almost do it automatically and I've just kind of kept that going so and obviously to represent like Celtic I'm a Celtic fan so there was that kind of element to it as well and it was it was good going the standard was good and obviously got better every year I was in there um, but yeah fairly intense when, when you're in that sort of brand new environment coming out of boys club and playing at what point did you actually realise it was intense you know were you straight through the door or did it take a couple of years and then you thought oh hang on a minute this is this is different I think the I think right away you just realised the standard just went up and it's like so for example like I say this all the time um, not all the time but anytime I speak about football but see when I played boys club I honestly walked onto the park thinking I was invincible like I honestly walked onto the park thinking like, I'm the best player in the world and I don't know this is maybe more to do me personally my mentality like when I went to Celtic it was almost like oh god like I'm in my guys who must be better than me or they must be at least as good as me so maybe I don't have that mentality anymore and I don't know like it just kind of that's maybe a, a big regret I mean I don't know why I maybe almost just let the the jersey be heavier than what it should have been uh, just because it was you know you. but everything's bigged up as well when you're that age it's like everything was always all well, scouts coming to watch you and god you need to go and play you wanted to make it then you need to be pro youth you need to go and red you know and obviously I, I get picked up with Celtic because I was good enough at that age anyway so I should have kept that going but I think I realised right away that the standard's very good and it's obviously a jump up but I don't think it was as good as I maybe made it out to be um, like I say my mindset I can vividly remember that but mindset whenever I played boys club and it was quite quite a quick change mindset like it was always and don't get me wrong I, I, I did well and put it in the first couple of years at Celtic I did well I think it was quite highly thought of but I don't know it's just always this thing in my mind and if I was to go back classic you know in hindsight being a wonderful or a terrible thing but I, I just I used to think I was untouchable when it was boys club and then for some reason just because I had you know the Celtic strip on and you're playing Rangers or you're playing Dundee United or Aberdeen who always had really strong teams you kind of go oh god these guys must be you know and I, that's probably that's probably the thing that sticks out the most to me for especially back in those days anyway so we're looking on that hindsight thing and mindset and whatnot is a, a big part of today's world. It's a big part of what I work on. Mm-hmm. Do you think if if you had your chance now, do you think it'd be different or do you do you not think we've changed enough in that way? And for me personally, do you think in, in general? Do you mean? Just you personally at the moment. If, do you think, you know, I, I mean, I think it would. I mean, like, just, just basic things like, we. I, I spoke about it. I, was, I finished playing at the end of last season and but I would have conversations with guys at, at Steny, um, like say Greg Spence, who played full-time with Celtic for a couple of years, and we would talk about it, and, you know, he'd be like, yeah, he's slightly different to me, because he was sort of 17, 18, going and training with the first team, 
but he was saying the same as me even when I was back that age you're kind of going oh god you're scared to shout for the ball and you're scared to go on it and you're maybe a wee bit tentative and the two is like oh, why? like why? <laughs> like why are you scared to go on the ball? Like, it doesn't make any sense you're there to play football and speaking of like vivid memories we played Hearts when I was at Celtic down at Science Parts I, I can't remember what age group but I was maybe 13, 14 and Tommy Burns came down to watch and Tommy Burns at the time was head of the, the, the academy whenever you saw Tom it was like oh god like, this is like I don't know, the tempo just get, get raised a wee bit. But he watched the first like, 20 minutes of the game and I basically hardly touched the ball. And I remember, I think I was playing midfield and I always remember him, I went to take a throw in and he was like, McGuigan, got on the effing ball. And I was like, Christ, I've And from there, like, I just took a pass, played a pass, started going the ball. And I was like, this is easy. But leading up to the game, I was very much, sometimes that's by some games I would go into feeling, oh God, I don't know, like, I, Maybe just didn't have the confidence to really go on and stamp my authority in a game. And that's the biggest thing. So if I was to go back, I would be like, aye, give me the ball. And so what if you lose it? Who cares? But at that time, I just wasn't mentally strong enough. Maybe it wasn't mentally mature enough to appreciate that. But of course, that's a classic, isn't it? And if you could go back, you would do it differently. But I, I definitely acquired that, I think, particularly as I progressed through my football career in my, my kind of mid to late 20s. I was fine. I didn't really care about losing the ball, but... I just wish I'd had that when I was younger, back when I had the opportunity when I was at Celtic. Is that was it just a mind thing, or is there a physical part to it? Was there a, a tactical part to it? Uh, I think to begin with, it was just a, a, a mind thing. Um, I mean, part of the reason that I didn't get a contract at Celtic was ended up being physical. Just that the the year before they, they gave out the contracts, so obviously fifteen turn and sixteen. I'm, I'm, I am or I was a, a late developer. So I felt I just honestly I've gone to training against some of our guys and I just I was a mile off it physically. I just couldn't keep up with them, you know, cardio wise. I couldn't keep up with them strength wise. Uh I playing against teams, like I, I just didn't feel it was almost as if it was a mismatch. I said I was playing like above myself. So there was definitely a physical element there. And I think I kind of withdrew even more. But before that, like I said, I, I did well. It, Celtic and I was quite highly thought of but I just could have done more I feel as though I could have stamped my authority more if I had that mindset of just give me the ball I don't care so I think in maybe in the first couple of years three years at Celtic it was it was probably just a mindset thing and you like to think that you would kind of grow out of that because it's maybe it's, it's kind of the same group of boys you're playing against each year and you get to kind of know them but I, I just don't think I ever really if I'm being honest and it's it's obviously easier to be honest kind of the older you get but never really took the bull by the horns enough to go like this is my opportunity I realise that this is not going to come around again so I'm going to go and put my and if it doesn't happen then fine I was very much of the mindset I'd rather not make a mistake and not get called out for it than go and take that risk and maybe go and like change a game with like a goal or a you know a, a key pass so I think in the early part it was more mindset but then as the other lads in the team started to kind of, you know, take their growth spot and they were bigger and stronger and physical, then a physical part started to kind of come into it, particularly before I left. Can I, can I then add in here about trust? So I, I talked to, I was talking about it today actually with, with a friend that I talked to, to a lad in one of my episodes and off the, off the podcast, he'd said to me that he never felt like he was trusted after he moved on from me. So he left me at 12 and moved on. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such a staggering thing because he went the whole the way through through the academy pathway. So do you have any thoughts then about trust, whether it's from coaches or parents or teammates that, that might have added to that? I maybe I mean I think like yeah, 
I think like my my particularly my first couple of years at Celtic, like the coaching was was like second to none, really. Like I'd Martin Miller for a couple of years, um, Pat Gardner, Michael Halloran, um, and then I think it was Martin Clark was my coach when I eventually you know wasn't playing as much. Um and whether it was again, this is something that I, I don't know, maybe I've created this in my head, but as I moved through, particularly when it got to the stage where I was I wasn't physically up to it. I then maybe started to create something in my own head that oh the manager doesn't rate me, but why does the manager not rate me? Well, he's not playing me. Why is that? Well, it's because I'm not physically, you know, strong enough. So you start to kind of add a lot of things into the mix, and then you start to, I don't know, kind of withdraw even more, and you just kind of go into your shell. And then when you do get your opportunity on the park, you you feel as if he's playing you just because he has to. He's giving you twenty minutes just because it's not really because he thinks you can go and make a difference in the game. So I, that's probably a lot to it. And when it comes to you know the, the trust aspect, that was. I kind of a big thing, particularly when I, I signed with Partick Thistle. And I was coming from university football, so in my head I'm going, I don't believe my teammates actually trust that I'm up to this level. Now, whether they think that or not, it's obviously irrelevant to me. It should have been, but this is what I'm talking about, where it took me a wee while, you know, a couple of years in the senior game to actually just kind of develop that thicker skin um, just to become kind of bulletproof, regardless whether it's criticism for your manager, your teammates, opposition, Fans, who, who cares? Um, but I wish I'd installed that a wee bit earlier, like 13 years earlier. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's phenomenal that just to get that information from you that you built this almost inbuilt story as a coping mechanism and it's a phenomenal bit of, of honesty there and I think I see it, you know, I've had a number of years in academy football now and I think I see the same thing. Now, that's not always directed at the coaches, sometimes it's directed at parents, sometimes it's directed yeah. at players, but it's a, a great wee snippet. Oh, of course, and I mean, I think we talk about parents as well. I mean, like my, my I'm the oldest of my brothers um, and my youngest brother, Anthony, is nine years younger than me, but he was involved with, with Hearts. A same similar type of story to me, but it was more injury that kind of curtailed Anthony's progression than mine. But if I could compare my dad with me to my dad with Anthony, he learned a lot as well because we would go home in the car and it would be, we could play, I don't know, Dundee away. And you know how far Dundee is for, you know, where, where we're staying, you're talking about an hour and a half, an hour and 40 minutes, and it would just be the full way about how, how it went, what I could have done better, or oh, you did well there, but remember, blah, blah, blah. And even in the way up to the game, it was like, remember, you need to do this, you know, you need blah, blah. And it was just like an overload. And I think that was too much at that age. So I always remember watching a documentary, Alan Hansen, I can't remember what it was called, football, I can't remember, but he did a documentary when I was a, a wee guy and I, we taped it and I watched it and repeat. And Joe Cole spoke about, it was like, oh, my mum and dad were just chilled. Yeah, they just never really spoke about football. It was all just, yeah, we're well done. And you come... And I watched that and I was like, I could maybe do with that. But then I see what he was like, like I say, my dad, with, with my younger brother, Anthony, it was, it was a bit better. It was almost a he learned as well. Like we can't just, you know, bombard. So there's a lot to it. There's a lot to the, the kind of recipe, I suppose, of of getting through the, the system and making it. And I'm not saying that's a reason why I didn't make it, of course, but it's just one wee thing. Again, another additional thing that, that I probably could have done without. You know, the, the constant analysis and overplaying things and stuff at the age of you know, 12, 13. It's important because, you know, there'll be parents or coaches or, or maybe even young lads listening to this and it's to hear it from someone who's been through it, yeah. I think holds more value than, than comes from me. Just coming from the coaching background, you know. Yeah. I, I'm one it's, of just the, another, it's just another perspective because you're, 
your input's as valuable as mine. It's just another perspective, you know, and I've not had had your experience of, of the coaching side of things. So you you'll have a, a totally new perspective that I could learn from, you know, and how how the coaches see things because your job, and I know the coach's job when I was going through it, is not easy. So you have to deal with parents in particular. <laughs> like it must be pretty constant. You know, parents are wanting to find out, oh, do you rate my boy? Is he going to get kept on next year and stuff like that? And all the while you're you're in charge of, you know, a squad of, I don't know, maybe 15, 16 young players who are have all got that dream of making it as a as a footballer. So no, it's 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 probably not so much value, it's probably just a different perspective um, on, on both. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think the, the best example, and just because we've talked about parenting that, I've, that I was given on, on one of my, my other podcasts, was that the parenting environment should be the sort of harbour, you know. So the kid sets sails and goes out to football and the choppy waters and the high seas or the high winds or the beautiful, whatever it is. But whenever they come back to that harbour, it should be a harbour. Yeah. Aye. And when they no, that's want, a good way of it. Yeah. When they want to communicate, they can go communicate. You know, mm-hmm. be the one that listens, not not the one that asks the questions. Of course, I. No, that's a good way of looking at it. But and I, I understand it must be hard for parents as well because, like, I remember going to watch my youngest brother play. Like I say, and even I sometimes I'm getting a bit excited, and I go, "Wait a minute, Mark, you've been through this. You know exactly what this is like." So you just kind of need to remind yourself to to rein it in a wee bit. But no, it's definitely a good way of looking at it. And uh, just to kind of finish off the sort of Celtic youth bit, um before we talk about being released, which is always difficult in no my house. <laughs> um, what was the, the best memories from that that time? Games or a game in particular? Or what would what would I <laughs> Yeah, the one the one that stands out is probably just because of how the at the, that period of time I was I think it was under 14s maybe. And it was the it was when Celtic got to the UEFA Cup final, the first team in, in Seville. Um but at the time, I think it was maybe under 15s actually. Uh we had what the, the squad had kind of entered into this European Championship, kind of mini Champions League thing, um, in Lake Garda in Italy. Um, and then, of course, but this was all planned before Celtic got to the final, and then Celtic, you know, get to the final. My whole family booked up to go to Seville, and they were just basically, Look, Mark, it's your choice. You can either come with us to Seville or you can go and play. Um, I regret it now, but actually I went to Seville, but no, like, oh, I decided to go and play. I decided to go and play in, in the tournament and like we got to the final and that was just, that just always stands out for me. I don't know, I don't know why, obviously we get into the finals a great thing, but we played some, played Lingby from Denmark, Kiev, Verona, from Italy, AC Milan. Uh, we beat Sturm Graz in the semi-final and then we get beat 2-1 by Anderlecht in the final. Um, but just that whole journey almost felt like we were kind of mirroring what the first team were doing um, and there was a lot of boys in the team that weren't like Celtic fans but it was just like a good time just for everyone to be together and it was like a kind of microcosm if you like of what the what the first team were doing and what they'd done um, and like the experience as well some of the players that like, we get beat 2-1 off like I say off Anderlecht in the final and it was 2-1 going on 9-1 like they were exceptional and I still, to this day, maintain they're one of the best teams I've played against. They had a wee lad in the middle of the park who was half the height of everyone else. He'd really, he'd long hair and he wore this kind of like John McEnroe style like, headband. It just looked like you would never pick him out and go, but he was unreal, like middle of the park, just so good at receiving the ball. And that just always stands out. Obviously, we didn't get the result we wanted and 
the first team didn't get the result we wanted either. But like just overall, like that, it was just a brilliant experience just to go through that and you know to play against different different clubs who are obviously like world famous. Kind of your age group was was a nice time. Um, so that one probably stands out for me. I love it. Do you, is there anyone from then that you know that made it off memory? Well, I, that's the thing that like, I always remember trying to. I, I forgot. I sh- stupidly forgot. But under like striker, like was just one of these like freaks of nature. Like he was, he was like Lukaku just now. You've probably seen like pictures of Lukaku when he was like fifteen against the boy. It's just like that was what it was like. They had this striker. Can't even remember his name. I'm gutted. I wish I kind of. But I was always like at the time. I need to remember look out for him, and I wanted to remember the captain. But I've I've never really seen anyone that's kind of stood out and gone oh they've, they've gone on and kind of made it at a good level um, they'll say they might have done but I suspect with the lad that played up front he's maybe just been caught by everyone else like physically and that's maybe why he was just such a standout at the time just purely just because of his his physicality um, but like in my my team like, like, like Paul Caddis um, who's had like a good career he was he was in the Celtic team um, and then like Cy Ferry was like in my age group as well but Simon always played like a year up uh, just because of like his talent as well, so I like it was we we did we a good team, um, good mix of boys as well. But no, it was just a brilliant experience. Yeah, I love that. And it probably moves on as a nice segue talking about this big beast playing for for Anderlecht and and you being released at, at fifteen or, or sixteen for just for being too wee. I, it was a kind of weird one. Like the writing was on the wall um, for for a wee while. Just I wasn't getting played and. Like just it just wasn't nice. It just wasn't a nice kind of ending to my to my time um, at Celtic, and uh, I'd maybe gone maybe four or five months. And uh, I, I don't know. Do you still do? Is it still three periods at, at youth level? Is it still three like twenty fives or three thirties? I so it was the same back then. And you're lucky if I was maybe getting the last twenty minutes of a game, or maybe I was even getting on at all. If it was a if we were playing like an Aberdeen, for example, or a Rangers, they were always like big strong physical teams and it was pretty much the team was getting picked to, to win um, which is fine fair enough um, but that it was, it was it was it just made the conversation with, with, with Tommy Burns my coach and it was pretty much just look he's not physically at a level and we don't see him being at a level soon where he's going to be able to compete I think my dad tried to make the case like you know and give him a year at YTS and see if he grows and see to be fair like I probably didn't take my my growth, my proper growth spot till I was maybe 18. So who's to say if I got a year that I maybe wouldn't have done it? And again, looking back and being honest, I probably let that define me a wee bit as well. Uh, I was one of the youngest in the squad. I'm born in November, so I know there's now all this research and data about the relative age effect and stuff, which wasn't particularly well known back then. Uh, but I almost let it kind of, again, just talk about that mindset. I was always like, oh, I'm smaller than everyone else or I'm no strong as... You know, guys I'm playing against so I just kind of let that define me as such whereas I should maybe have tried to wear it like a bit of armour and just be like I may be small but do you know what I'm going to go and show that what I can do I'm going to go and show that I'm at least worth a consideration for a contract so it's one of those ones at the time it hurts and it stings and you're blaming everyone you're blaming you know everyone but yourself but now retrospectively looking back if we're talking about things you'd have done differently then I definitely wouldn't have just allowed it to um to almost define me and I wouldn't let it affect me as much as it did at the time I mean that's that's you know so honest of you and it's it's such a great picture but you've obviously 
when you've been in these environments, you've still absorbed all the information because you've mm-hmm. taken a grounding from Celtic and yeah. through training that's allowed you in a few years' time jump into full-time football. So what was Absolutely. it about learning? What, did you just absorb it easy? Did you go home and practice ridiculous amounts? What was it like? Yeah, I, I, I did, mate. Like, honestly, like, I was always been probably... <laughs> I mean, you know, the equivalent of a lot of teachers, you know, a better swap, but I just always absorbed football coaching. Um, I always absorbed what any coach that even goes for when I played boys' club as well. I would always, like, it was my dad's mate, Michael, that ran the team, and I would listen to him. And then I was always just a good listener moving through um, through the academy. Um, I think that was always just really important. And then I would, I would, I would practice religiously, like, still speak about it. And now you look at my partner clear she was like what did you that's the day when you were a wee guy and I was like this is all I did was play football generally that's all I did um, constantly non-stop whether it was either myself just going out and firing the ball against a, a fence or whatever just practicing shooting or whether it was out with my mates it's, it's genuinely all, all I did for probably between the ages of I don't know 8 and you know 16 it was just like football 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 um, so I think all that helped obviously and I like everyone else, like everyone else, I gave this dream of going to go on and kick on and make it and stuff like that. And there's there's times where you think, like for, we, we played Rangers at, at Murray Park once and I had a really good game. I think I was like four, under 14 or 15s and I was like, oh, I think I can make it now because I had a really good game against Rangers at Murray Park, you know, but the bigger picture is you're a million miles away from even getting close to making it, you know. So again, it was just, I had the right attitude and I had the right... Um, the right outlook in terms of wanting to learn and wanting to get better. I just didn't have that that, that kind of ruthless mindset or that kind of that that ability to build that thick skin um, to to really go on and, and put the two together. Um, which you know that's fad. I don't think I'm in the minority there. I think like, there's a reason that there's only a tiny percentage of boys make it. You know, so. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the, the, the biggest thing for me to, to kind of answer your question. Like, I was a, a very good listener and I just absorbed everything that I get told um, and I practised, like, non-stop. But, like I say, I'd been honest, I, I didn't quite have the the vastly important part, which was the, the mindset to go and, you know, put the two together and then kick on. And then we move on to the bit that I still am astonished by that, you know, we met over a decade ago and you weren't <laughs> kicking a ball, you were running about and enjoying it. And yet somehow you managed to go four or five years of not playing at the highest level, not playing at really much of a, comp- probably for you, it wasn't very because ah, yeah. I watched you stroll through training sessions and watched the <laughs> games at uni and you're making it look easy and we all looked up in awe. How did you manage to get to Partick? How, how did you manage to get through all that? I, I mean, it's, it's a strange one because I, I really... At that stage, when I was at uni, like I was playing, I played junior for I think two and a half years. I signed with St Andrews, um, and that was an, an okay level as well. It wasn't anything great, but it was competitive enough, and we were fairly successful and whatnot. Um, you're playing men's football, which was the first thing I'd played. You know, you're playing against you're playing against men, um, and I, I I never really harboured any. Do you know what? I'm going to go and shock it. I believe I can go and kick on and go and play like senior again. I don't know how how it really came about. Like I say, it was maybe just a bit of fortune that I, I because I'd, I'd played quite well with, with the uni, I'd get put forward for the, the trials for the Scotland 
um, team, but we both went to Aberdeen, you know, and that's not one of the bigger universities. And these teams are, I think, up to that point. I'm not boasting. It. I was the first student from Aberdeen that got into the, the Scotland setup. After that, there was a couple other lads that, that, that get through, which is brilliant. But it was always like, say, like your Stirling, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Harry Watt. They kind of dominated the the selection. So. I don't know, I kind of went into that a wee bit like, do you know what, this is a close shop. It's, they've already picked their team, but I did well in the, the trials and got selected. And uh, Even at that point, it was a, that was a really good standard as well. Some cracking players that, that played at, at the national level. But again, even at that point, I wasn't even like, I could still kick on and do something here. Um, and it just so happened that the first friendly we played was against Partick Thistle. I get selected for it, scored two. Um, luckily enough, Jackie McNamara was there that night. Um, Simon Donnelly was playing for Partick Thistle I don't know I just kind of felt I was like I did well there and I felt good and I felt you know I, I didn't feel like I was kind of I didn't feel like it was the level was too far above me I felt like I held my own really well like I said I scored a couple of goals and then you know just a few days later kind of Partick Thistle managed to get in touch and they were like we were impressed with what we what we saw with like you come in and train um, so we had a, an international against Ireland so I think I played that two weeks later then after that went into train with, with Partick Thistle and did well kind of scored on my debut or scored I scored my debut against Ayr and then got a two year deal out it just through just through through probably fortune but then I don't know it was it was just one of those strange ones it's I, I, at no point genuinely and I hope I genuinely like I, I would have loved to have had the opportunity to play senior if it came about but it was never and that was never kind of the sole drive it just came up out just through kind of circumstance and I suppose taking opportunity when I probably didn't appreciate how big the opportunity was maybe that's why I did it <laughs> maybe if I'd realised I'd, I'd have frozen and choked I don't know but um, it just kind of the kind of stars aligned if you like um, and then from there that's the rest is history you feel it though like I literally I can feel it the tone of your voice has changed you feel freer see as you're describing this time through uni and then isn't it yeah you're actually talking freer Totally, it's your manner and your tone, and everything's changed from your Celtic times to to now, and that yeah. is is really empowering, but also really important. Oh, hundred percent, mate, hundred percent. If I have to speak to any like, academy player now, it would be like that's a big question. How do you, how do you instill that? How do you instill that freedom for the players to go in? And as a coach, you you you'll have seen it. You, you do your best to create that environment. Where, and by the way, the coach at Celtic did that for us as well. But if a player's just I don't know how how do you allow that player to go and play without freedom? But no, that you're dead right, and that's probably a big part of why um, I was successful in managing to get back into the senior game. There was that freedom there. Um, obviously, going and playing like friendly, you realise it. You know, you're looking good. Jackie McNamara's there. You kind of you'd be daft not to realise. God, if I put a performance in, you never know. So there was that, but it was never. I never felt that pressure. I, I did play with that freedom, and I. It's just one of those times again, probably going back to boys club. I probably didn't feel that way for, you know, I don't know, 12, 13 years, going on to the pitch with that freedom. Um, and then the result was that, you know, I was lucky enough to get to get signed. So uh, it's quite interesting. I suppose I probably never really thought of it myself until, until you've mentioned it there, but either there definitely was the, the shackles were off, I suppose. Um I'd like to ask you just when we're on this sort of move about culture. What was what was the culture like? Because I know what our culture was like at uni, and uh, I imagine it was slightly different moving out. A wee back. bit different. <laughs> A wee bit different. There was no dirty pints for man of the matches, uh, so 
Yeah. So you do a few dirty pints, Johnny. That's because you were man of the match most of the, most weeks, yeah. though. Picked up on different sports as well, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, mate. Yeah, culture was just just totally different, of course. Um, you're again, like you're, you were you asked earlier, how quickly did you realise that the standard went up when I went from boys' club to, to pro youth? It was the same at um, you know uni level to 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 Partick Thistle, who were in the it was the last season it'd been the first division. Then it changed to the championship. Um, fitness was a big thing for me. Like I've never struggled with fitness. Like my whole career, whether I've always been regarded myself and been regarded as being really fit, but there's just that difference between you know being part time fit and then going in and playing full time football. And I remember doing my first full time pre season at the age of twenty three. And again, like you think you you do, you just think you're fit and you go in and it it totally took it out of me. I didn't you know, refuel properly, um, was getting kind of back pains and stuff and strains just through not being conditioned. Um, but eventually you kind of catch up and you start to, you know, get to the, the same level as the rest of the guys. But yeah, the culture was, you, you, especially when, you know, Jackie, Jackie was a manager and yeah, the career he's had, he's played at the top level like all these days. So he's very, very keen on, you know, transferring that and wanting the same from, from us. And the thing is, at Parthia, it was, it wasn't as if we'd like big fancy training facilities or anything. It wasn't anything special. But the boys that were there um all had the right attitudes, like all wanted to, you know, apply themselves in the right way. And ultimately that season Jackie left to go to Dundee United, kind of three quarters of the way through. But the, that squad, that was a year they won the league. Um, and it went up to the, the, the premiership as it is now. And they kind of stayed there for three or four years. So um yeah, definite change from university. Not as enjoyable as uni, but definitely it was uh, better for me professionally. <laughs> well, I was fortunate to be on the other side of that and spending some time with him when, when he went to United. So, oh, a nice one. Just a few training sessions and that. So I know exactly what you're meaning when it comes to, to standards and <laughs> setting the highest standards possible. Yeah. Can we kind of just also talk about part-time football as well? So you've had your wee go at, at the full-time stuff. As you've said, you've realised I'm probably not going to make a living out of this. Yeah. I think it floats one or two here or there, but it's usually between 45 and 50% of Scottish teams are, are part-time. So mm-hmm. what was that like going from Partick into part-time? Because the majority of academy kids, if they're successful, are going to dip into that, whether it be loan system or yeah. a contract at some point. Yeah, it was it was strange because I think for the last... So I, I, I left Partick this in the January of... 2014 I think but I still had a a contract with them up until like the May so got like a pay up effectively like, we negotiated a, a kind of settlement because I wasn't I wasn't playing they were like, like you're as well going and playing regularly which I was fine with so I signed for Albion Rovers and that's all I did for you know five months was just play part-time football but I was obviously aware that by the end of summer I'm going to need to get a job here kind of just live off this um, so it was almost like I'd have like a tapering off, if you like, of going from full time right and now into to, to part time. But I, I don't think the 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 transition was was too difficult. I think see because I I kind of done it at uni, like with regards to when I played junior, and even when I played with uni, you're still training a couple of times a week, and you still eat a game, and you're doing it a lot. At the time, I was doing it alongside uni, and I also had a part time job there as well. So I had experience of. Of almost juggling and prioritising and you plan your week accordingly. Um I think probably the 
the hardest thing for me. Like I remember my first full season part time, and this is just naivety. I was like, well, been overs. I was like, this is right, second division uh, or the League Two as it is now. Um, I was very much like, I'm going to score forty goals. I was like, I'll, I'll score forty goals. You know, like stupidly, like why? When? Why is that ever just going to be like a given? When's the last time anyone like Nicky Clark scored forty goals for Queen of the South one year in League One when they were full time? And I, I just I, I couldn't get going, and I don't know I don't actually know why that was. I, I think it took me like two months to score my first goal, and I was like, God, I'm I'm toiling here. Like, I, am I in like am I I don't know am I, am I good enough for this? If I just totally over it. I mean, I don't think I was being disrespectful. I knew it, but it wasn't going to be easy. But I don't know. Just in my head, for some reason, I was like, I'm going to go from Partick Thistle. I'll go to Albion Overs and I'll. But in the goals, and I'll get another really good kind of part-time team. It didn't happen. Um, it probably again took me another. I had to reset almost again. And it took me probably three or four months to to kind of get going and kick on. And then from there, I've not really looked back. But I do remember like that first couple of months of like part-time, my first full season at part-time. Going, God, I've uh, I've missed the mark a wee bit here. Um, so I had to kind of have a wee word with myself and and get the finger out. So if we if we look at it from a I don't know let's say a sort of tactical physical standpoint when you drop from the full to part time yeah what did you notice or did you notice anything different yeah I mean I think sharpness is a big thing because I, in my first season with with Partick Thistle I went on loan to Albion Rovers for I think four or five weeks and I felt really really good because I was training still full time with Thistle but then I would go and train I think once a week and then I play the weekends. And I just felt sharp. I felt ahead of the guys I was playing. Um, that just that sharpness, I just that kind of quickness of thought, and I just felt really, really good. And I did well on loan and get recalled and stuff. But then I think when you go to part time, like you, you kind of almost regress to the mean, like where everyone else, everyone else is training part time as well. So that's the biggest thing is just that sharpness um, of you know physically sharp, being able to kind of get that kind of half yard away, but then also mental sharpness as well. I definitely felt like things levelled out when I started training, when I stopped training full-time um, and stopped playing, obviously, like a, a higher level of player as well. When you're not in about that every day, that affects it. So that was that was definitely the the biggest thing that I'd noticed, um, dropping down the levels, was it was just the sharpness because the physicality is still there. You're still playing against, you know, still playing against centre-halves whose number one strength is heading the ball and smashing strikers, you know, so that doesn't change. Um so yeah, definitely the the sharpness was the, the biggest thing. Were you able to maintain the the joy and the fun at this point? You know, you've gone uni, you're you can't believe what's happening, then you get into full-time football, and now you're kind of a wee bit more back down to earth again. Yeah. Is it still as fun? Uh and the initial part it maybe took me a wee bit uh because I I don't know, maybe you feel as if your your pride's maybe been dented a wee bit um, maybe ego's taking a wee bit of a hit because you know you graduate for uni and you're like oh, I'm, I play football full, full time and you know the championship you know the team's doing really well not playing as much as I would like but you're still in and about it you're still part of it and obviously I realise now that see really no one really cares no one's really judging anyone for going from party to Thistle to Albion Rovers but again in my head and for me I'm going oh god folk looking at me going oh, there's he's he failed he couldn't get another contract at full time or he didn't go and establish himself. Um, so again, all that was 
was probably in my head. Um, and that's a big part of what I was saying earlier on. But from that point, maybe the first six months at Albion Rovers, maybe the first six months after I left Barty Thistle, uh, I kind of let that bother me. Um, but then took, you know, a, a conscious decision. I, was, I said, this needs to stop. And I need to start kind of stealing myself a wee bit. And from there on, just bit by bit, just only, you almost train yourself to just become psychologically stronger. Um, and then I got the joy back and then the freedom comes back and then the goals start going in and you enjoy going to training and stuff like that. And then from there, I can really, I, I, I never really look back from there. And I, I loved the, the kind of remaining you know, seven, eight, seven years of my career after that. No, it's good. It's good that it just took time, but you managed to go again. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to move a wee bit on and I want to kind of look at how you then perceive youngsters when they came into your, your environment. Because you would have probably had players come in on loan that were from yeah. Rangers, Celtic, Hibs and the Hearts, Motherwell, mm-hmm. um, and then players that would have been released and then joined the clubs you were in. So so what was your your sort of perception of them when they came in and what did you think usually when they came in the door? I mean, I think my experience of young lads coming in on loan has been, been quite mixed. I always, I think probably, partic- say always, but particularly in the last sort of two or three years, I've always taken it upon myself because by that point, I was more of a senior figure in, in the dressing room and I'd always do my, my best to, to really look out for them and help them, not just help them settle in, but help them on the park. Um, as well and I think particularly probably in the last year last couple of years I managed to strike that balance of you know you maybe say you're digging them out but I always think there's a really there's a way to do it with young players don't just you're not just shouting you know abuse it's I would actually try my best to actually take them aside at the end of the game and talk to them um, so I would always do my best to help them but I, I guess over the course of of my career it's been quite mixed you would get boys coming in on loan like Harry Payton would come in to Stennis Muir from Hearts. He's now at, at Ross County. Um, and Harry was exceptional for us. Great attitude. Um, looked after himself physically. Clearly got a very good head in his shoulders and applied himself in every training session and every closed door game that we had and every competitive game that we had. And I was almost like, brilliant. That's what you want to see from a young lad who has got a, a real drive to go and be successful. The flip side of that is you would get loan players coming in from the top league 16-17 and you know they're coming in with like the Gucci wash bag and stuff like that and they're training with Albion Rovers they're training with Stranraal training with Steny and I I mean it frustrated me a wee bit it was almost like some of them you go you don't actually realise what you've got and you're not going to realise until it comes end of the season and your club say you've not kicked a ball for Albion Rovers, so how are you expecting to get into Celtic's first team or the United's first team or whoever? So it would be quite frustrating sometimes. Um, but like I said, for every you know one or two that frustrated you, there was the same number that you at least saw that they had the right, the right kind of mentality and the right mindset. So kind of mixed overall. What do you think the, the culture is, not just maybe in the teams you're in, but maybe the leagues to actually develop these players? Because, I, I mean, we don't produce enough players overall. So no, I, th- not. I think that the lower leagues should be made to make talent, give them yeah. game time, you know, create that transition. What, what do you think the feeling is down in League Two, League One, Championship sort of thing? Uh, that's a good question, mate. Good question. I think the... 
the difficulty there is that the fans and the clubs, you know, League One, League Two, for example, as much as they might only pull in an average of four or five hundred fans, those four or five hundred fans are still paying money and they want to see their team compete and they want to see their team get promoted and involved in playoffs and win leagues, which you can understand. It's just the fans like Celtic and Rangers are and they still demand the same. So I think they like so for the example, the perfect example I can use is, is again Harry Payton at Steny. He was in a he was a big part of our team when we got promoted through the playoffs and the fans loved him because they loved that we were helping develop a young player and loved that we were doing well, we were successful. They loved the fact that he was going to go and then kick on and they could almost feel, you know, we played a part in his development. And I'm sure they probably still do. And I think Harry's actually been called up to the Canadian, you know, national squad and stuff. So he's doing great, which is, that's that's the kind of perfect journey, if you like. The flip side of that is, a couple of years ago, we were playing, you know, three and four young lads, loan signings. And when you go and put young lads at 16, 17, 18, who've not really any great experience of first-team football at League One, League Two level, and they're getting battered about, and they're not getting any time in the ball, and the team's not winning, and we're dropping points, and fans start getting annoyed, and we're playing too many young players, it becomes difficult, and the manager then feels pressure, because is a manager going to risk his job on, you know, like what's, what's, what, did, what is that, a League One, League Two manager, what's his priority, is his, is his priority to Strenard, is it to Stenhouse Muir, is it to keeping his job, and being successful, or is it to developing X amount of players from the Scottish Premiership? We both know the answer to that, so it's difficult. But I do get what you're saying, and I do think that if done properly, that um, that there could be a pathway there for, for young players to get more exposure. The problem is it's the young players, it's not competitive enough for them. The, the gap between you know reserve level or even B-team level and the first team is too big. So there needs to be there needs to be a bridging of, of the gap. Uh, uh, you need to bridge the gap. So how you do that, it's it's a difficult question, but I do think that if there's too many kind of loan players in it at League One, League Two level, then I don't think the appetite is quite there from those clubs to, to support that um, and, and to enable their development. Again, it does. It covers all the, the questions that we always talk about in it and all the areas that we think about. If I was to say... Two or three things that you would ask of or would like to see from kids that come in on loan or get released and come in for their second chance, what would you go for for two or three things? I think just like the, the main one's just got to be like attitude and, and, and applicate your attitudes. Just come in and just work as hard, if not harder, than everyone else in the squad because there's going to be senior players there who are part-time, they've maybe played part-time all their days, but there's still a lot that you can learn for these guys. Um, there's guys there that have, have been there and done it, so you should be working as hard. And that's a kind of bugbear, particularly for you, you get the older players who you're maybe doing fitness testing or whatever, you're maybe doing you know runs at the end of the session, you get guys at 31, 32 who are outrunning lads at 17. That shouldn't really be happening. So I think attitude's the main one. Come in and just work your backside off. Um, and really get a feel for the level that you're playing at. Don't think just because you're coming from, you know, a Celtic or a Rangers at 18s that you're going to walk into, you know, a team at League Two. It just it doesn't happen like that. And I think a lot of players have found that out to their cost. The ones that are successful are the ones that realise 
I'm going to go and grasp this as an opportunity for what it's for what it is. Um, I I just I, and, and probably the third one so that would be like attitude, grasp the opportunity and you know don't don't look down on it, um, don't see it as a backward step. Um, and the third one would just be to, to kind of learn as much as you possibly can. I feel like I see these guys that have because there's a lot of good players in League One and League Two and a lot of guys that have been there for a long time. Um, and who would love nothing more than to help a young player come through? Um, what they don't like is seeing young lads who haven't made, you know, a first team appearance, spawning in and you know acting the belly big time. You know that doesn't go down well. So just be humble, learn as much as you can, and just you know have the right attitude. Well, that's the one thing I've got written under this as I'm writing my notes, listening, is ask questions. Because ah, definitely. Almost everyone you come across a football is a nice person. You rarely yeah. come across people that, when you ask a question, won't give you an answer. Yeah, definitely. And I think no, that- you're you're hundred percent right, and that's why. Like last year, for example, like, there's boys that are playing weed weed young lads in from from Hibs, uh, who are brilliant boys, right? And I would always have time for them. I'd always talk to them during training, um, even as a Thursday night at training, I'd speak to them about. How we how we all played the, the previous Saturday, we tips and who's to say I'm not, you know, I mean I'm no Guardiola or Mourinho or anything like that. But these boys are my teammates, are young lads. I've at least played the game a wee bit longer than they have. So if there's anything I can pass on, um, I'd like to think that they would they would take it on board or at least at least kid me on that they were taking it on board. But the young lads we had last season were all were all really receptive to it. Um, so. That's a, that's a big thing, definitely. I mean, particularly for somebody playing in your position who, you know, has maybe got 10 years' experience playing at that level. I mean, we're no, we're no daft. We're not saying League 1 and League 2 is, you know, up there with League 1 and League 2 in England. However, it's still a decent level and there's some very good players there. So, absolutely, absolutely, you know, ask questions and, and just absorb as much as you can. In terms of, of analysis and looking back on performances, what is it like? You know, I have little bits of clippage and wee PowerPoint presentations from some clubs that I've seen in the past. So mm-hmm. what does it look like when they go then? Is it, you know, 10 minutes on the, the not on the laptop, but 10 minutes on the telly, looking back on games, set plays? You know, how do they how do they absorb that as well? Uh, in terms of like our clubs, how did we do yeah, analysis? Clubs, like pre-match, post-match. Yeah, to be honest, the, the actual implementation of analysis wasn't something that was done an awful lot at any of the clubs I was at. Not, not it wasn't like a set. Um, it wasn't a set feature, which is probably disappointing. Um, it was maybe put in every now and then, occasionally, and it's frustrating. You know, the facilities there. It's maybe what is 10 minutes or 15 minutes before training on a Tuesday night to, to do it? Like, like you say, like we snippets, it doesn't need to be, you know, watching the full game back or anything like that. So that's maybe an area that's 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 lacking and that the young players could maybe benefit a wee bit more from. Um, if I know some clubs do, they do do it and they, they do it quite kind of religiously and it's a big part of of their, of their training. Um, in terms of myself, we it was only done kind of sparingly, um, which... Personally, I think it's, it's an opportunity missed, um, not just for the young players, for, for like myself as well. It'd be good for me to kind of see and um, to, to see my performance. So, aye, I mean, I think that's that's definitely something that, that could be addressed and it could definitely help um, younger lads that are coming into the, the part-time game. 
it's also the, the reality of it that they're they're probably still training full time at their clubs if they're coming down and they yeah. have all these facilities and it's maybe a reality check when it's not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely, yeah, I absolutely. Um, the, probably the, the closest they've got is the the highlights maybe that the club the clubs put up and put together the media team puts together. So you're watching back your game, but you know the highlights are always you know attempts on goal or a goal, so it's not showing you the full picture sometimes seeing a part of a play in isolation and just seeing, you know, positionally wise, you know, what, what went right and what didn't go so well. Um, so I, a hundred percent, that's maybe something that they, like you said it yourself, reality checks, probably the, the best way to put it. I like that. And I think as well, I don't want to run on too long here. So I'm kind of going to take a couple, of, couple of questions to wrap up on. And one I do quite a lot is, is, um, that I like to ask is building a player. So you're a striker. <laughs> You're a striker. Haaland. Erling Haaland. <laughs> so from your time in full-time and, and part-time, what are the, the two or three things from the striker's perspective that's got you success or that you then go, as you've said, and talk to the young lads about? Um, you've obviously got your physical kind of attributes and every player will find their own. There's no... You, know, you need to be six foot if you want to be a striker. There's plenty of strikers under six foot who can score 20, 25 goals a season. So probably don't get caught up in trying to be, you know, if, if genetics are genetics, you can't affect them or change them. It's about maximising probably what you've got. So for myself, I took my growth spot six foot three, um, but was quick for, for being tall. Um, so I utilise that, you know, you don't get many tall players who are, you know, I've got a bit of a turn of pace, probably quicker than most centre-halves, League 1, League 2 for the most of my, the majority of my career, so I played on that and I was like, okay, I'm going to maximise this, I'm going to get stronger, um, but the biggest thing, Johnny, is the, the mindset building that player. Uh, I think when you, when I played university, and we played university level football, when you miss a chance, what do I get? You get slated for your mates for half an hour after the game and then it's forgotten about you go to senior, the senior game and it's, you have, you have a poor game um, and you're on Pine Bovril, you know, and folk are, random guys are slating you, you're getting abuse for the stands during the game and that was all new to me, so you need to just build this kind of bulletproof mentality to, even if you miss a chance, as a striker, for example, the biggest thing for, for me as a striker, you miss a chance, just, I always just say to myself, the next one, I'll score the next one, I'll score the next one, I'll score the next one, so it doesn't matter how many you miss, just keep getting in there, keep getting in there, keep getting in there, and just be relentless in that. Um, and that's not something that came naturally to me. Like I say, it didn't come for me probably till mid to late 20s, where I actually felt I actually don't care if I miss a chance. I really don't care if I try to take somebody on the loser. I don't really care if, you know, the ball bounces off me a couple of times. It's going to happen. Um, so the biggest thing when it comes to, you know, building a player or for me, building a striker is just that kind of, ruthless mentality where you, you need to just accept mistakes are, are a big part of football and unfortunately you'll make a lot more mistakes than you, you get it right kind of thing so it's just about living with that and um, and not really letting it bother you and from the physical side it's just maximising what you've got like I say genetics are genetics so if you're 5 foot 8 you're I don't know you can't, you can't see you, you might be 6 foot 3 or 6 foot 4 it's not going to happen so just maximise what you've got yeah, I talk to my youngsters I work with about about having world class basics, mm-hmm. and 
maximizing super strength, which is what you're talking about. Have your yeah. super strengths and make sure that nobody can get close to those super strengths. Yeah, that's it, mate. Spot on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's things that everyone can do. Like, so everyone can work on their first touch. Everyone can work on receiving the ball. Everyone can work on, if you're a striker, provided you've got the facilities, you know, and you've got the, the time, you also get the desire. But you can all, I'm always a great believer that you'll find the opportunity to practice if you, if you really want to. Strikers can all work on their finishing. You know, you can take the time to look back over your games. It's like you say, if you do everything, if you look at every part of your game and you increase it by that, that kind of marginal gain, that 1%, 2%, just keep doing that, keep doing that, then you're going to become a better player and ultimately where the chips fall, you know, they fall as long as you can look back and see you did everything you possibly could, then it doesn't really matter where you end up um, playing-wise. I think that's a, a big part. No, and I'll finish on that because it is a great part. And then I want to just finish kind of out with football on your academic learning now and <laughs> and off to your, your next adventure. So go just give us a little brief sort of explanation of where you're going with, with your PhD because I think it's really interesting. Yeah, mate, yeah. So just finished my master's at, at UWS and starting a PhD in a couple of weeks um, in conjunction with with the uni, yeah, you'd still at UWS then with, with Celtic as well. Um, we're hopefully going to be looking to combine uh, performance analysis with uh, some sports science as well, providing some context around about the the data that's been collected. Um, so no, really exciting, really, really looking forward to to doing it. That's a, a, it's been a kind of big goal of mine for a long time now in terms of my, my long-term career away from football, which ironically is still involve me in football, so it's the best of both worlds. Um, but not looking forward to it, mate. Brilliant. No, and I do I think it's going to be interesting what you're doing about really looking specifically at what information we get and what information we, we use and whether all the running and whether where you are in your heat map is relevant to to your output on and doing your job on the pitch. Absolutely. Yeah. Are you affecting the game or are you just sprinting for the sake of it? Absolutely. Which I used to do quite a lot. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on. Um, it's been really interesting and there's been a load of nuggets for youngsters because I've certainly taken loads of nuggets from it. So thank you very much for coming on. You're welcome, mate, and good luck with the podcast. It's going really well, so hopefully you continue to get a couple of... I was going to say a couple of experts. I'm definitely not an expert, but no, it's, it's, I think it's a, it's a great idea, mate. It's a good platform and I've listened to, I've listened to a couple. And, um, so no, it's all good, mate. It's all good. I'm more than happy to help out. Appreciate it. Thank you. Pleasure.